0: Hello, welcome back to The Dark Side. Thanks. I'm your host, Brianna. Dyson is here this week. Yep. And this is Dark Adaptation. This week, we're going to talk about the ongoing case surrounding Elnaz Haj Tamiri, also known as Elnaz Tamiri. First and foremost, our hearts are with Elnaz's family and friends, and we think it's important that everyone use their voice to share her story, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to use our platform to help share this case and to help bring her home. I'm going to discuss everything we know up until the day we're recording, which is March 4th?
1: March 4th. It's March 4th.
0: 37-year-old Elnaz was abducted from a Trailwood Place residence in Wasaga Beach, Ontario on January 12, 2022, around 8.30 p.m. The abductors are described as three black men dressed as police. They came to the home claiming to have an arrest warrant for Elnaz, but the people inside the home grew suspicious of the so-called police officers. Elnaz tried to call 911, but the intruders forced their way into the home, overpowered Elnaz and the others grabbed Elnaz and dragged her out of the home barefoot in the snow they took off her watch and took her phone her cell phone away and threw them into the snow the people inside the home said Elnaz was screaming up until she was pushed inside a white Lexus RX SUV the screaming stopped and the Lexus idled for about a minute before leaving the scene on a local forum, a Wasaga Beach resident wrote that neighbors allegedly reported a very suspicious bearded man to the police. The man was watching the Trailwood Place residence where Elnaz was staying from a white car, which had its license plates covered, and it was making repeated rounds of the area. Whether or not the police responded to this concern is unknown. So far, there has been no ransom note, no demands from El Naz's abductors, no indication of their motives for taking her whatsoever. Wow, so scary.
1: It's terrifying. It sounds like it was coordinated.
0: That's exactly. The last
1: thing you want to hear.
0: It's horrifying to to be to think you're safe in 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 this home that you're staying in, which we'll we'll find out she was there because she was trying to stay safe and to have this happen it's terrifying and the fact that they're dressed as police officers yeah but the the family instantly was like what no no you're here for the warrant what and that she's like screaming and tries to call 911 like goosebumps it is so horrifying mhm so Speaking at a press conference, the case manager with the Criminal Investigation Bureau of the OPP Central Region. The OPP Central Region is um, the jurisdiction over Wasaga Beach. So Detective Inspector Matt Watson stated the police gear the abductors were wearing is not actual police uniform. So it was like a mock uniform that, I mean, it's it's just so, so scary
1: yeah i well the funny thing is my ears perked up because i we have already one major uh thing going on in the news where there was that uh i think it was was it new brunswick or nova scotia i mix it up all the time but the guy impersonated a police officer and went on a rampage oh yeah that was Nova
0: Scotia. and there was that
1: big question because he somehow did get managed to get um police uniform um and then almost, almost methodically dressed up his car to look like a police car. Oh, the RCMP. It was RCMP. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was horrifying. Yeah, they um, people that, um, actually sold him the uniform, did like in, like interviews and stuff, right? Because you're allowed to collect it.
1: Yeah. But, yeah.
0: But they had, or they, he stole it or something. But well, he it's just he scary got that, that you can and there have was
1: it. and there was questions too, like so many questions because so many people were just staying quiet, not reporting all these big red flags with the police, like um, giving him ammunition mm-hmm. and stuff for weapons that he shouldn't have.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: and no one said anything. It just seems to be a, a, a repeated pattern mm-hmm. uh, of silence. And it's just really disconcerting because no one should be able to impersonate police officers at all. And, just seems like the accessibility to do so is um the threshold to do it is just way too low
0: i agree and you make a really good point about how the in that case i think his name is gabriel or something like that but yeah, whatever sorry. his name is who cares he's horrible <clears throat> um that there was people around him who were like yeah like he had been collecting this stuff and whatever and building that weird creepy secret room for all of his stash and shit and it's like okay so no one said anything so it'll be interesting to find out as more like information and whatever unfolds over this like where hopefully we can figure out like well where did they come like those mock uniforms come from it's so scary
1: yeah there's gonna be i would hope um little appetite for people to stay quiet at this point Mm -hmm. knowing knowing what's already happened before when people when people didn't say anything so uh, I'm really hopeful that someone would at least say like, hey, you know, oddly enough, I did sell these uniforms to these grown adults mm-hmm. looking to look like police officers. So, you know, and one would also hope that, you know, uh, there's cameras in every goddamn store. So one would hope they'd see that and just simply turn it over to the police.
0: That's another plea yeah. from the family is if you have any sort of surveillance um, home security anything, Re- like turn it over uh, like review it, turn it over if you see anything that you think could help g- hand it over, even if it's nothing it's better to be sure
1: Yeah, I mean you you look at cases like this where they're just simply trying to track people's uh, movements, mm-hmm. I'm kind of surprised, I know that the the plates Um, it, I know the plates were hidden and I know this is Wasi- Wasaga Beach so the density isn't you know, similar to like a place like Toronto where mm-hmm. you're passing storefronts every every second. Um, but one would think that you'd be able to track the movements of that car fairly easily if people cooperate.
0: I think that's that's also another good point because Wasaga Beach is, is sort of known as like a um well the beach town like there's a lot of like vacation homes Mm -hmm. cottage country-esque probably a lot of like airbnbs and stuff i would imagine so i can to me it makes sense that a lot of people would have even if it's like a ring doorbell or something like
1: yeah yeah and i I mean like i i was in Wasega beach i think like within like two years so i like i know that it's also they've got a, a big challenge ahead of them if um, a car did go into that cottage country though. Um, even if they have the doorbell, uh, alarms that are just simply tracking, um, outside the the front of the homes, a lot of those streets, those side streets are just dirt road streets. There's not a lot of lighting at all. So oh. it, at 8.30 PM, um, it's dark. Yes. Um, that, and that's the saving grace is it's a white van.
0: SUV. SUV, yes.
1: sorry. not Lexus a van.
0: RX SUV. So, in an interview on January 18th, Detective Inspector Matt Watson said that based on the OPP's investigation so far, Elnaz has no connection to any nefarious activity, she has no criminal record, and there doesn't appear to be any criminal associations in her past or among her family. Yet, Elnaz was the target of a violent abduction, and whoever ordered her kidnapped clearly wanted her alive. The family she was with in the Wasaga Beach home are also victims, innocent bystanders to horrific intrusion who had to bear witness to their loved one being taken from them, like literally with force, dragged out of her own home, screaming. Mm-hmm. It's so scary. Like, I have goosebumps. It is horrifying. Yeah. Just to have to live with that and and, and just probably in their minds thinking like, oh my goodness, like, did we do enough? Like, but what are you supposed to do?
1: Yeah, there, there's nothing. that's that's the tragic part of of this as well Is like one could imagine that that's running through their head obviously but yes there's nothing that you can you can do and and it's not you, you can't put that on yourself either i mean if three people who have planned something like this and and break into your home and do this like you are not at fault and it sounds like they've done everything they already can and exactly. You know, we just got to hang and in there. And that's
0: another frustrating part of this is that as we learn more, no the family, especially Elnaz, didn't do anything wrong. Every single thing she did was was right. She reported everything. She was trying to stay safe, and that is why like this case has just stuck to with me so much because it is so frustrating. She didn't do anything wrong. Her family didn't do anything wrong. So to think that, like you're saying, you can't do anything. There's these three grown men in po- in mock police fatigues that literally break into your home and abduct someone. Like, oh, it is so scary.
1: Yeah the the entire idea um, of dressing up as police um, is is just meant like it, it it's just meant to paralyze you. It they didn't dress up in police uniform to convince um to convince her at all, like that, oh yeah, it's legitimate you're being abducted. It's to good con- it's to confuse any bystanders around mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and make them unable to process what's happening. That's the point. Cause if they felt that they were that she was on her own, they would not have dressed up as police. They would have just taken her. Um but they dressed up this way to confuse everyone around, to stop anyone from um, interjecting
0: Probably because they were surveilling her and with a mindset like that, you think well we could be being surveilled too. So let's mm-hmm. try and look the part. Mm-hmm. So as is expected, few details surrounding the investigation are re- are released by the police. Most of what we know is from her family who speak so openly about Elnaz and her life leading up to the abduction. The police haven't confirmed any of the details shared by the family, but the family said they are sharing the facts of what happened in the hopes the information helps in the search for her because they believe she is still alive and they're remaining hopeful she'll be returned safely. So by sharing this story, sharing everything they can about what they know is just only going to keep helping the cause. Spread the story. Share it. Share her picture. Everything like that. Mm -hmm. So... Like I said, a lot of what we know is from the family. And a huge thing that the family shared was how she was attacked just three weeks prior to her abduction. According to her cousin, on December 21st, 2021, Elnaz was violently attacked in the parking garage of her King William Crescent residence in Richmond Hill. She was pulled from her Lexus by two men and beaten with a frying pan so brutally she suffered a cracked skull and a cut from her forehead to the back of her head, which needed uh, reportedly 20, uh, 35 to 40 stitches. Both of the male suspects are described as being between the ages of 25 to 30 years old. One suspect is described as standing at 6 foot 2 with a medium build and short brown hair. He was wearing a surgical mask, a puffy camo jacket, and dark pants. The other suspect is described as standing at five foot 10 with a medium build, wearing a dark hooded jacket and a surgical mask.
1: Okay.
0: York Regional Police, so Richmond Hill is their jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And for perspective, Richmond Hill is about 30 minutes north of downtown Toronto. So York Regional Police stated, although the identity of the men who attacked her in that parking garage and the identity of the men who abducted her from Wasaga Beach are unknown, they can say the description of the men in these separate crimes are different. So whoever perpetrated each crime are not the same men, but that's really all the information they have right now about the criminal's identities.
1: Did, did they at least confirm that they're connected incidents, though?
0: They can't confirm, but they do believe.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Like it, it's pretty hard not to believe. Yeah,
1: it's it's really hard not to believe that th- those two are connected.
0: So the yeah. gash that was on her head is is really it was really severe. I mean, mm-hmm. to her whole top of her head is split. her Her skull was cracked. She had all these stitches, mm-hmm. and so it's most likely still to this day visible to some degree. So El Naz's cousin urges people to consider that marking when looking out for her on security footage, in public, online, everywhere, mm-hmm. because it is an, an excellent identifying mark. Yep. The two attackers fled the scene in a stolen vehicle, which investigators later recovered and searched. They seized undisclosed evidence that everyone is, is hopeful will help in the investigation moving forward. And I'm still talking about the parking garage attack, by the way, just to yep. be clear. So they also, uh, the police also seized El Lexus as part of the investigation, where officers found a tracking device on the car.
1: Ew. I know. This this is this sounds like this sounds like a gang slash mafia style.
0: It's so so scary. I'm
1: getting um. I think they did something similar this is creepily similar to i i live in uh halton region and there was uh the coordinated attack member that i I told you about in south uh i'm not gonna say where i live but in the south region of my of my town and uh there was there was everything from like monitoring the people as they came and left the house to like um, even slipping into the garage when they were closing the door, mm-hmm. like, and so they they monitor like that. That's that's Surveil. what they do. Yeah. yeah, surveillance. So that's incredibly creepy. That, it is,
0: it's terrifying. Yeah, and yeah. to think that who knows if the if it even would have been found if they didn't take her car in. Mm-hmm. And, um. So Elnaz was told to find a safe place to stay while the police investigated this p- brutal attack. Mm-hmm. And so that's when she drove her Lexus, the same one that the police discovered had the tracking device on it, to Wasaga Beach to stay with relatives. That's why she was in Wasaga Beach. It's because she had just been beaten. Yeah. So now investigators say there's there's currently no evidence that an additional tracking device had been placed on the vehicle at the time Elnaz was in Wasaga. Mm -hmm. So, after she was abducted, they looked at her car and they were like, well, there's no, we can't see any tracking device on it. So, even though she did leave Richmond Hill in the same car that the original one was found on, there's no evidence there was an additional one or a new one or anything placed. Okay. So, we're not done with the tracking devices. Uh, Prior to her being attacked in that parking garage, two tracking devices were discovered on her Lexus the lease on that car was up so she was taking it into the dealership and while the car was being inspected and whatever they do there the devices were found which also like kudos to those mechanics or whoever they are because they were really looking at that car which is good
1: (laughs) yeah they really did just sweep it eh? (laughs)
0: yeah so at that point so this is before she was attacked in the parking garage those tracking devices were turned over to the police and Elnaz decided to purchase the car and left with it. So that's why she still had it and whatever. And then mm-hmm. it was pretty soon after that, after those two tracking devices were found and turned over to the police, she's attacked in her parking garage.
1: It It's frustrating because there's questions I want to ask, but I know they don't have it out. Like, I know the police would not just outwardly just say this, but like it makes me wonder good on the mechanics for finding the initial tracking devices. How did they find it? Um, mm. Because if you find it physically, that's one thing, mm-hmm. right? And if, if I were the police and someone said, Hey, I'm a mechanic. I just found a tracking device on this car of this girl who was just attacked.
0: No, she wasn't a, she wasn't attacked yet.
1: Wasn't attacked yet. Okay. But you need to take, there's like devices that recognize something's transmitting. And you, there's ways to check. And I, I wonder if they just simply looked and found tracking devices or if they actually used a tool to make sure it properly, that there's nothing else there because it is so goddamn easy to hide things, um, especially in a car, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's a million different places you can put something. And you, it's creepy if anyone has ever, anyone has ever seen like conversations about you know um people who had you know for example abusive partners and they talk about how um you know their partner used to uh set up like cameras and stuff mm-hmm. it's terrifying because you realize how much technology has advanced as has also unfortunately advanced that kind of technology yeah so there's like instances where a simple regular screw may not be a screw it's actually a camera and it's so small it looks like it's actually into the where you would just put the like phillips screw Mm -hmm. there's actually a lens in there like it's you cannot trust just a bare hand and naked eye kind of approach to to looking through things so i I wonder if someone actually did a proper kind of sweep of the car and i would hope that they did
0: it's all good questions and like you're saying we'll we won't know right now because they do withhold almost all information Mm -hmm. um But yeah, that's all. That's another great thing to consider. We think in our minds, oh, a tracking device. It's probably like you know the size of my palm, and and because you see in movies, you walk by the side of a car and you just quickly stick it in the inside of the wheel well or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's twenty twenty two. It's not. It could be so much more advanced than that. And like you're saying, we have to trust that the police did a full sweep and knew what they were looking for
1: well perfect example is uh i bet there's a lot of listeners right now who are listening on their phones and i want you to think about all the components in your phone and then question how large you really think that little microchip is that connects to identify your location because i promise you it's very very small Mm -hmm. right um so yeah so that's that's very upsetting to hear
0: all very good speculation though good to talk about okay so um, Dyson, this goes back to what you had said before about how, like, do they think it's, have they linked it? Have they confirmed they're connected, these attacks and the abduction? So the OPP believes that the attack and the abduction are linked. And Al Naz's family say that York Regional Police turned over the investigation of the attack to the OPP as part of the sort of wider probe into the abduction. The OPP hasn't confirmed this, but I'm personally trusting that the family and their legal team know that the investigation was turned over to OPP. And the OPP says they're utilizing all resources to locate Elnaz of the home invasion style abduction. So just to confirm or to uh, clarify, Mm -hmm. she was attacked in Richmond Hill, which is the jurisdiction of yorkville regional police but she was abducted from wasaga beach which is opp jurisdiction so because she was abducted from opp jurisdiction york regional police turned over their investigation of the attack to the opp to sort of bring it all into one file under one umbrella and work out of opp hands
1: sounds about the right thing to do
0: i just know that like I'm throwing around <laughs> OPP, York Regional, talking about police, yeah, Richmond and, Hill, Wasaga, we, whatever. We've so. got like
1: US listeners, so yeah. it's not easy to keep track of, but yeah.
0: Oh, that's such a good point. OPP, I've talked about them many times. Ontario Provincial Police. Yep. It's like um if you're in the states, like how there's officers who are statewide officers or like soup like state troopers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like we have in Ontario, Ontario Provincial Police. Other provinces have RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police, you know, province-wide, not (laughs) statewide. Yeah. For us, province. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like transferring it from a county to a state. Same thing for the, for U.S. listeners.
0: Thank you. That was much more succinct. (laughs) Okay. So the family has hired a Toronto lawyer named Devin Baines a former Crown prosecutor to help with the case. He's heading a private parallel investigation to run concurrently and in cooperation with OPP's investigation. He's also helping the family understand like the processes, um, everything involved with the investigation. And he did an interview with CBC news to shed light on Naz's abduction and just to sort of get the family's voice out there. So... Devin Baines says Elnaz did everything right. She contacted the authorities every time she should have. She had faith they would protect her and they would look into everything effectively. He says he doesn't know if the police acted as they should have. In his opinion, based on his experience with similar investigations and forensic work, the roughly three weeks police had Naza's electronics to look for tracking devices and software was quote unquote, shockingly short for the work to be completed properly. He's hopeful the work was done and that Alnaz's situation was taken seriously, but it's a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. So kind of links back to what you were saying about how like, let's hope they were thorough. Like, invest, they went through the vehicle and her things properly.
1: Yeah, well, if like, for example, like, if they're checking her phone for tracking, right? Like, one of the frustrating things is, like, do they have a login for your Google Maps? Mm-hmm. Like, anything like that, any slip-up could have that consequence, right? Um, you know, I...
0: They, as in the abductors?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, there's billions of ways that they can could have done this. hmm And so, yeah, if they just went through it really quickly, that's terrible.
0: Yep. And, but... I mean, all this is just, it's good questions he's asking. It's good mm-hmm. uh, uh, observations we're making. Maybe they did, but they, the LPP obviously isn't going to be like, hey, let me lay out yeah. every single thing I've done so far so that the people responsible, the evil fucking abductors, yeah, can know where they are yeah, in the and investigation. Cover, and cover so they it, have yeah. to be quiet about it. Mm-hmm. In an original statement, York Regional Police wouldn't confirm whether or not investigators took Her belongings to check for tracking devices and software, citing the ongoing investigation, and no details on any seized evidence would be released. Mm -hmm. Like, classic. That's standard. So then later, Constable Laura Nicole confirmed tracking devices were seized as part of their investigation, but how many were seized and when they were seized wasn't disclosed. So are we talking about the trackers that we already know about from just before and just after the parking garage attack? Or did they find tracking devices or software in her belongings after her abduction? We don't know because she just would confirm that they were found, but it...
1: There's nothing else to it.
0: Yeah, it's like if you're talking about the ones from just before and just after she was attacked in the parking garage, then we know that. But are you saying there was software or devices found after her abduction
1: yeah and there's a chance that they might not know the answer to that at Mm -hmm. all right Mm -hmm. like how would you know um like unless something has like installed on this date printed into the file then
0: yeah that's true
1: you know (laughs) it's the only thing they could probably really confirm with certainty is we found this
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's, that's exactly it we can tell you we did find it how many when they were seized we will not tell you Mm-hmm. I'm hopeful that they found something after she was abducted. Just something. Something new, something else they didn't have, just to hopefully lead to, to anything. Even in these cases, sometimes the tiniest little thing is what sort of helps break it wide open.
1: Well, one of the things that's hope- that seems hopeful for me, is, at least, is there seems to be, when there's a lot of different people trying to coordinate for a nefarious cause like this someone fucks up someone fucks up so if we don't hear about how someone fucks up doesn't mean someone hasn't fucked up. exactly
0: because it's ongoing because
1: it's ongoing and we can't know because if we knew so would they
0: and you hope there's like a snowball effect of like okay well we've caught this one person slipping up let's let's hope that it's a a snowball effect domino effect let's see who else
1: Mm -hmm.
0: is wrangled in with this yep so, how Elnaza's vehicle and electronics were analyzed is one of the several aspects of the investigation that Baines finds concerning. Another concerning element is the fact that they were obvious. <clears throat> Another concerning element is the fact that there was obviously no plan to keep her safe, despite being attacked in the parking garage, which suggests she was being followed or surveilled. Police, victim services, literally anyone involved with the case of her attack didn't have an organized plan to keep her safe. The only course of action was like, all right, we're, we'll investigate this. Maybe, maybe. So like now you should go somewhere you think is safe.
1: <laughs> yeah. How bullshit is that?
0: So she was obviously in imminent danger and the police should have known that. She was literally abducted and is still missing And nothing was done to ensure her safety. It's not like the attack that happened in the garage was was like a minimal dispute or something that she had had with like an annoying neighbor. Like, she she literally was in Wasaga Beach. She was over 100 kilometers away from where she lived because Mm. she was terrified. She was being followed, tracked, surveilled. She got savagely beaten. Mm-hmm. In her own parking garage of her own home, the frying pan, to yeah. the point that her skull was cracked and she was hospitalized for stitches. Like it's it's not like like she, it was just some sort of minor thing that was like okay well you know what go somewhere cool it's off not, a bit. It's it's, it's it's not a
1: scare tactic when someone hits you in the head with a frying pan either.
0: No, when two people yeah. drag you out of your vehicle and beat you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, the. I don't I'm a little surprised because you're right why wasn't this treated as a high priority issue someone's life is in danger because you if you want to hurt someone if you want to scare someone you don't inflict a head injury with a frying pan Mm -hmm. at all that's not a scare tactic that's not intimidation that's uh, that's trying to kill somebody.
0: Yeah. Yes. So, uh, Devin Baines said, what happened to Elnaz on the night of her abduction does not really suggest that there was active police observation of her home. If that is correct, it is not promising with respect to an organized plan or Elnaz's situation being taken seriously. I'm hopeful that there was a plan in place that simply failed. There was a glitch there was a changing of shifts. There was an inadvertent dropping of the ball. That's what I would like to think. I do not want to think that Elnaza's abduction was a result of not only evil intention toward her by her assailants, but also neglected by the system of which I am a part of.
1: You're yeah, well put.
0: That was a little silent applause. Quiet mm-hmm. applause. Because, yeah, it's put so well. And him saying, like, "I listen, I, re- I represent this system, too. I'm a part of this system. What the hell happened here? How is a woman who was, who was literally seeking, like, refuge with different family members 100 kilometers away, which is, like, over 60 miles for our American listeners. I think it's 66 miles. <laughs> over 100 kilometers away to be safe with family because of this attack that she was terrified of mm-hmm. and no one was even like making around there's like, no you cop ha- or anyone you, that's was why it's ridiculous like you have
1: to and like, to she think, was she was being tracked and yeah. the police saw knew about that and we're not going hmm we should also track her like also just make sure that we know
0: that actually leads into the next um, point i was going to make is that cbc news asked the opp if york regional police had notified them about elnaz's case and why she was there why she moved up there mm-hmm. and if they were told that she was staying with relatives in wasaga beach because of the steps she was trying to take to protect herself but they never responded to cbc so we don't know if even if they did see it or if they did respond like after the deadline or whatever like they probably would just say we can't talk it's an ongoing investigation if if they did
1: respond that would have been it's a story on its own you'd know about it mm -hmm. So, so to 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 not respond to that um i i would assume that there's not another story out there saying that that that's the case, then then I would say it's more than likely that the police chose not to respond or answer that question. Because they didn't
0: know because York probably at that time, like now they know because the investigations have been merged essentially Mm -hmm. into OPP's scope. But at this time that she was seeking refuge up there, like I don't think that they knew. And to think that someone had had written on a Wasaga Beach forum sort of like a neighborhood watch type deal or whatever that they had seen a white car with a suspicious looking guy with license plates covered mm-hmm. multiple times passing by the house that Alnaz was in yeah and to not know if they even followed up on that either
1: yeah that's that's fucking ridiculous i, I... <laughs> I don't know. It. I just know. I just know when police do and do not do something. A lot of the times, it's a known thing that they're doing or not doing. It's. It's just. I don't know. It's, that's frustrating.
0: Well, given that the Wasaga Beach address was linked to Alnaza's family, and police do not appear to have been watching the home, Devin Baines does not understand why police would endorse her to move to a small town over a hundred kilometers away from her condo to from her condo in Richmond Hill to a place where she probably wouldn't even have been checked in on. It's a good point he makes. Yeah. He says, if Alnaz, if Elnaz's imminent danger was being recognized and seen, and seen the way it should have been, it is challenging to see how her relocating to a relatively remote town in Ontario increased her safety.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. it's not like she was, she was going somewhere really, really, really like, secretive and no one would be able to find her even if that was the case even if she was going somewhere like under a rock or like a cave the whole point of why this is so scary is that three that we know of three tracking devices in a very short period of time had been found on her vehicle yep so who who even cares where she was going who she would be with if she would even be with anybody if she was going to the moon you know that she's being tracked.
1: What was the period of time? Like, was it, it was a short period of time between
0: when she was attacked and when she was abducted. Yeah. Three weeks.
1: So uh, to me, to me hearing this, it sounds like there was another tracking device because that someone didn't notice because that car was Mm. that without the plates, that was the bearded guy driving around was checking out the exact area in advance. So that's a very very short period of time for someone who wanted who did this in the parking garage in Toronto um wh- to make it all the way up to Wasaga, right? You you don't just happen to go along into Miss Wasaga and then know the exact house and yeah. scope the place out.
0: Yeah, so it's either someone who knew her and knew her family because she mm-hmm. was staying with uh, with relatives mm-hmm. or she had another tracking device or some sort of software or both yep or neither maybe it was people who were sort of henchmen or something you want to call i don't know what the word is like accomplices to this like there was somebody higher higher up above them who was directing them Mm -hmm. regardless it's it's just all so messy you know that there's these multiple factors leading in to her safety being compromised so do a better job
1: yeah if there's anything that lights a fire under under uh these kind of organizations asses it's the fact that they are not instilling confidence in the public anymore
0: no and even people who lived in the area are are like um if um opp like this this branch of it this division tweeted anything about it or whatever there's people who are like i live in the area i'm terrified you need to tell us what is going on yeah they just don't respond
1: how would you feel if you're in that neighborhood
0: so cbc news spoke to a shelter services manager at interval house interval house is canada's first center for abused women and children and um i think they were just speaking with them for more of like insight into This particular situation. So the manager told CBC News that after Elnaz reported her assault to the police, the expectation would be that she'd be given resources to navigate her safety. She needs to have that safety plan put in place. They would have connected her with safe shelters. That's what this manager said. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if that manager is saying that this happened as per protocol, or it should have happened or or maybe the resources were given to Elnaz, but they couldn't force her to stay in the safe home or shelter and if she, if she left it or wouldn't stay or opted out of staying, then maybe that so puts they, an end to the police's responsibility. It's, so
1: so they were just they were basically just saying like here's what usually happens yeah. and they have the right to refuse. Um, yes, yeah, she would have it. been
0: connected with with resources to navigate her safety. Yeah, okay. so it's just like that's nice. Obviously, yeah, that's standard protocol. So it's like that's that's helpful information, I guess. But I feel like m- most people know that you have to give resources. That's what victim services unit is. Yeah. So it's like, so what? So what happened? Did she? Was she offered these? That's the protocol. Was she not? If she was, did she end up staying? Did she opt out of staying? Did they say, okay, you're not gonna stay in this shelter, then you have to find somewhere safe? And and did they let her leave to go to the Wasaga Beach? It's just like yeah. either way, it's it's so like uh like laissez-faire, like, okay, well you're gonna go and stay with relatives up there. That sounds safe and good for you. And then they just left it.
1: I swear to God, half these things that we all pat ourselves on the back for having in a society are just check boxes to the people delivering it.
0: It's like red tape.
1: Yeah. It's like, did we tell her this, this, this? Yeah. Okay. Checkbox. What is she doing now though? Like.
0: (laughs) I know. It's just something that I could get so, I could just go off and get so frustrated about, but this is not about me. This is not about my experiences. Yeah. This is about Well, I honestly,
1: I'm kind of surprised about the police communication with each other because like i have talked to the police recently and not recently like not not a year ago or so yeah and it seemed like they were decent at connecting with different uh precincts i guess different Eh, different jurisdictions i guess yeah and they had like almost like a little record thing that they were looking up whenever i talked to them but so I, i don't know whenever i hear this shit i'm just kind of flabbergasted like if it's for if if two of you had it, why don't all of you have it? It can't be that fucking hard. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's frustrating as fuck.
0: It is so frustrating. Yeah, and also I think, look, like in your case, what you're talking about, I think it it's oh a well lot was gonna say like maybe because it's like city to city, what you were talking about, but I don't think it was. I think it was you were talking OPP that then transferred you to another city. So I was gonna say maybe in this case because it was like York Regional Police trying to I, deal with. OPP. I think I was dealing with Halton Police. Oh, I, di- I didn't know. Yeah, Halton I think it was Halton Police.
1: was talking. Oh, Halton, yeah. yeah, right, because yeah. it's a
0: whole. That's a whole county, essentially. Yeah, region. they're
1: they're much larger. It's 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 yeah.
0: So it's not OPP. Yeah, so I
1: didn't confusing. have to deal with OPP at all, surprisingly. So I
0: think it's just because like I'm thinking about how like the town you live in is smaller. Mm-hmm. And how around here in Brantford? I don't care if people if people know where I or <laughs> yeah. right not. I don't, yeah. don't care. In Brantford, we have our own police, but then yep. we have small cities around it, small towns, St. George, Paris. But so and they're OPP because it's the county. Mm-hmm. So I get confused when I hear where you live. I assume you have OPP, but I forget the region that you're in. Yeah, is a actually highly populous so they have their own regional police to say the way york does
1: yeah and they cover several (laughs) towns yeah yeah so
0: (sighs) just like how richmond hill is not that far away from toronto but toronto and toronto has its own police Mm -hmm. because it, it, but it's still part of richmond hill still part of the gta which is just the greater toronto area and then the greater toronto area all has their own little Police departments. Yeah, I think but it just comes in, down to the in municipality. It, there's OPP as well, and it's just like, oh my God. Yeah. So, so talking about the interval house and abuse, um, Devin Baines and other sources told CBC News that Elnaz had ended things with her ex boyfriend, 34 year old Mohammed Lilo, in October 2021. So, just a few months before all of this. Mm hmm. On November 19, 2021, Elnaz contacted York Regional Police after Mohammed went to her condo uninvited. York Police said officers spoke with him and advised him he was not allowed to return to the building. Since her abduction, the OPP has charged him, Mohammed Lilo, with criminal harassment in relation to an event or events that occurred in the weeks leading up to her disappearance. Details are unavailable. So he was arrested January 21st, nine days after she disappeared and was quickly released on bail. He's scheduled to appear in court on April 12th, 2022. So whenever that comes up and as more, as more details are released, I will update everybody. But to be clear, to be clear, as of this recording, police have not charged anyone with the attack on Elnaz in the parking garage. They have not charged anyone in her abduction this charge against Mohammed Lilo is for criminal, criminal harassment, but the exact details are unknown. Now, I think it's important to get to know Elnaz Hash Tamiri a little bit. Yeah. So, and I, and this is just, it is important. It's important. Let's, let's get a feel for this, for this woman. She's a real woman. She's, she's a, she has a family. She has friends. She's an important person. And also she is still missing, so we need to know as much as we can about her, so that any little detail that you can remember and learn, it's so helpful. You never know what could what could lead to her being brought home. Exactly. So she is five foot three with a slim build, dark brown eyes, and it is reported that she had shoulder length black hair. In a lot of the pictures that I've seen, her hair is sort of, like, closer to a dark brown, so just keep that in mind. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Black hair, dark brown hair, whatever. Remember it. She was born in Iran and lived there with her husband, Farnam Shaporafar. Elnaz graduated with a bachelor's degree in international insurance, and Farnam was a veterinarian. The two were married in 2010... And if you noticed, I was saying he was, and they were. And that's because tragically he died in 2017 after an illness, which left Elnaz devastated and widowed. So sad.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really rough.
0: And oh, just to just hammer home that this is a real woman and she's loved and wonderful... She used all of the couple's savings to build a school for girls in a village in Iran and named it far in, named it in Farnham's honor.
1: Are you fucking kidding? God damn it!
0: So beautiful.
1: Yeah, that's oh, that's that's a really nice gesture, and it adds another kind of element to this whole story. is It's actually really, really fucking sad. It's devastating. Yeah.
0: And so, a year after her husband's death, Elnaz moved to Canada in, like, an effort to rebuild her life. She settled in Richmond Hill in 2018. She was working as an administrator in the import-export industry and volunteering with charitable organizations. Just to prove, again, how wonderful she is. Yeah, she's... She's Volunteering at charitable organizations.
1: Like, I want her in my fucking community now. I
0: know. Because she's...
1: She's, she's got doing a fucking the damn heart damn thing. Yeah, she's got a fucking heart of gold. What the shit?
0: So she received her permanent resident status and had recently left that job, uh, the import export job, to work on building her dream career, opening a cake making business.
1: Oh, that's a great. That's a great dream too. Great venture. Yeah. Okay, now I definitely want her in my community. So when she's back, I want her.
0: <laughs> she probably does, like goes like charitable like events and is like, "Let's do a bake sale." Yeah. <laughs> I I like to make cakes. Yeah. So she's always loved Canada and she was living a quiet, peaceful life in Richmond Hill, rebuilding her life and enjoying herself. Her cousin said, quote, she was a great support system here. She has family in North America. She was able to get a job. She was very excited about being able to start over in a place where she would be able to call home for a long time. Her mother said, quote, Elnaz dedicates much of her life to serving the needy and offering her support to her community. She lives a quiet, decent life surrounded by her friends and family. I never imagined I would be pleading for my beautiful daughter Elnaz's life. Elnaz is a very kind-hearted woman, always extending a helping hand to the needy and being an honest and loyal friend. We beg whoever has taken her to be merciful to Elnaz. Please do not harm her and give her back to us. We are all in so much pain and agony, even thinking where she could be right now. She cannot handle the cold. So please give her blankets and keep her safe. Yeah. Oh, my God. She cannot handle the cold. I know. Blankets and keep her safe. Oh. It's so sad.
1: I know. I can't reach the Kleenex. I'll get it. You got it? Yeah. Okay.
0: Oh, God. Now my eyes are all teary. I can't even read. Her cousin said the family feels the OPP is doing everything it can to find Elnaz. The family, some of whom live in the United States has also hired a New York City-based public relations firm to help them reach out to the media and draw publicity to the case.
1: So, okay, so they're just trying to elevate it so more people start looking?
0: Exactly, keeping an eye out. Plus, like, even think about it, where we live in Canada and in Ontario, we are, we're we're p- positioned so far into the states, like, on the scheme of things. Like, if you look at a map, mm-hmm. like, there's states and, and cities... In America, that are so much more north than we are. So just our our access to the states, especially New York. Like you can get to New York from here mm-hmm. in like two hours. Yeah. So it's really smart because just the the access to the border. Yeah. I don't know what that's like now with with COVID, but I mean, with people who literally abduct you, drag you from your home and police mock-up police mock-up gear like mm-hmm. n- nothing nothing is out of the realm of possibility for people like that right her cousin said quote we're looking at this as a partnership with the police and a partnership with the media to try to get the voice out there to understand has anyone seen anything do we have any tips which will aid in the police investigation this is a community issue this is a women's issue." This is a woman who was very gentle. She baked cakes, she made wine. She has not she was not involved in anything of politics. She was very much living a quiet and peaceful life and just looking for some peace in her life." End quote. The family has no reason to believe Elnaz had any previous association with her assailants, nor do they believe it has anything to do with her life in Iran. The family is also confident Elnaz is still alive and they have no reason or evidence to believe uh, to believe otherwise. They took her alive and that's something very important to the family that they keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Her family is pleading with the public to search for signs of Elnaz Hashhtemiri and or her abductors. Look at her photos, look at her face, look at your security footage before it expires. The family asks that the community bind together and do everything to make sure Elnaz gets home safely. The family believes that residents in the Wasaga Beach neighborhood may have footage from home security cameras from the night of the incident and urged them to review the footage for a white SUV or anything else they think could be relevant to this case. To her abductors, the family has a message, quote, just please let her go. If you spent enough time with her, you would understand this is a wonderful, kind, warm, educated, charitable woman. Just please drop her off. No questions asked. We just want to see her come back alive. She doesn't deserve this. Neither does her family. So to recap, before we end off. About the abduction, it occurred on Trailwood Place in Wasaga Beach, Ontario on Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, around 8.30 p.m. The abductors are described as three black men wearing police uniforms. They were driving a white Lexus RX SUV. Neighbors reported a suspicious bearded man and a suspicious vehicle with its license plates covered. About the parking garage attack. That occurred on Monday, December 20th, 2021. ...on King William Crescent near Young Street and Bantry Avenue in Richmond Hill. The vehicle the attackers were driving was stolen from the Finch Avenue and Don Mills Road area in Toronto. Both of the male suspects are described as between 25 to 30 years old. One suspect is described as standing at six foot two with a medium build and short brown hair. He was wearing a surgical mask, a puffy camo jacket and dark pants... The other suspect is described as standing at 5'10 with a medium build, wearing a dark hooded jacket and a surgical mask. Elnaz Haj Tamiri, sometimes going by Elnaz Tamiri, is 37 years old. She is 160 centimeters tall or five foot three, with a slim build, dark brown eyes and shoulder length black hair. In pictures I've seen, her hair is closer to dark brown, so keep that in mind as well. OPP investigators have established a dedicated tip line for the case. Anyone with information on the attack, the abduction, or the location of Elnaz Hajtamiri can call the dedicated tip line at 1-888-728-3415. You can call Crime Stoppers Anonymously at 1-800-222-8477. Police and others are using the hashtag BringElnazHome on social media. Thank you everyone for tuning in this week. Please share this episode to help Elnaz and her family get this case out there so we can bring her home. And use hashtag bring Elnaz home, just to keep spreading the story. Mm -hmm. Until next time, stay safe and keep your eyes peeled for her, okay? We'll catch you on the dark side.
1: Bye.